speed. Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. If only the Democrats would consult with this doctor, they could all pack it in, go home, healthcare would be solved. You know him. Dr. Rasha Bazaar, back to do some more advanced medicine. Welcome, my friend. Thank you, Robert. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at the silliness, and I have to call it that at this point, the disaster that is the folks in the political realm that have no earthly idea how we got into the mess that is called healthcare in America much less how to get out of it, except that they want to spend more money, uh, whether it's from you and me or whether they print it out of thin air. It doesn't matter. It's just a gravy train that keeps on rolling, and the drug industry laughs all the way to the bank while the people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge or their lack of willingness to stand up for their right to heal in a way that the government doesn't give them permission. I completely agree. It's it's a very interesting uh, exercise in illusions and misdirection, and um, I think that it's complicated as it is, but the bottom line is it's all about the freedom to choose, and you don't have a freedom to choose. Well, and also using something called logic, you know, the ability to say, hey, if we have an ailment or an illness, you know, and you come in to see me or you or any doctor out there, the question should be, I mean, I guess I'm utopian about this or maybe idealistic to say, should be, oh, let's figure out why this is happening. Not, oh, my gosh, it looks like you have a deficiency in Zyrtec. I mean, come on, really? And this is the way medicine is doled out in a system that doesn't have time to allow for an interaction on a human level to ask, hey, what are you doing? What are you eating? Are you exercising? I mean, lip service is paid to this stuff, but in the meantime, it's like, keep those prescription rates up, doc. Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things that when you start looking at the the model, and the model is just like we've talked about industry in in food or in um, you know like with the with any type of industry when we talk about the sustainability of it, this model that has been in place and that has been promoted as the solution in one version or the other version, really none of these models are sustainable, and we see the evidence of that in just looking at what the numbers of uh, chronic disease and cancer and heart disease and how those numbers are going up despite trillions of dollars having been spent on trying to conquer these diseases. So it is not a sustainable model. And until people understand that you only get the reward if you're willing to put out the effort and that no matter what drug, what plan, what doctor, what health care philosophy you follow, you have to take control of your own outcome. You have mm. to be willing to do what's necessary to get better. And really, that's where this all comes back down to. And I think that the, like the plans that they used to have in place where you could put money into your own plan for whatever it was, instead of paying an insurance company, you put it into a health maintenance uh, plan. Savings, a health savings money. account, medical, where you could actually spend it how you 
perceive would be best for you. Of course, the problem with that, and again, this is me being idealistic, is that they still get to say what you get to spend it on. So it's not really your money unless you truly had autonomy over it. But the Democrats, and not to be overly partisan, because many Republicans too, they want to own and control you and run your life and dictate to you how you can, what you can buy. Or in the case of the Democrats in California, that your children aren't your children. They're belonging to the state and they shall be vaccinated. Without question, without fail, if you want to send them to any school, public or private. And, yeah, you know, this is, a, this, this is the reason I was saying that it really comes down to the word uh, freedom, the freedom to decide what to do with yourself, with your children, with, with how you spend your money. How, and as long as people understand, too, that, hey, if you put your money into the hands of um, somebody that you have now given the privilege and the autonomy to make the decision for yourself because you're not... Uh, well-versed enough or you're not aware enough, then understand that you will also be limited to whatever they know and you have not exercised your own uh, God-given benefit of using your own brain to decipher what's best for yourself and your family. So it really comes down to having the autonomy, like you said, the freedom of choosing and then knowing which way um, to go by following whatever you've learned, whatever you've discovered, because, you know, one person's answer may be a different, person, different answer than another person's. But the bottom line is, regardless of what one person's answer is, I mean, are the people that have taken chemo and still survived? Yes, they are. But you take the, those numbers compared to people that have gone through a, a non-chemo, non-radiation methodology, um, mm. they, they don't have the side effects, as we've covered in the show, of cardiomyopathies and uh, radiation necrosis and all these other things that they die from two years, five years, ten years later. Right. Um, they don't end up having all those issues. So, so regardless of what the answer is for the individual, it comes really down to autonomy and, the, and, and being given the right, uh, basically living the way the forefathers envisioned us to live, which is having the right to choose whatever, whether it's your religion, freedom mm-hmm. of speech, for, you know, freedom to pursue the type of health care that you want, uh, whatever it is. And, and they're they're arguing violently against that. Uh, one at least at yep. least fifty percent. And we've talked about this. Even the Republicans, a, a significant percentage of them, don't believe in freedom anymore. So where are we? Do yep. we still invest in a system where the vast majority of them don't believe in our freedom? We want to empower that. I don't want to empower that. I want to question their authority and their authoritarianism. Exactly. And it, 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 this crosses party lines is what it does. It has nothing to do with party. And it comes down to basic, fundamental uh, understanding of what freedom really means. Exactly. Exactly. This is the thing we engage in here every week with you and, and beyond that. And it is a fundamental principle, a guiding principle for us in, in all healing. And, and that is also that if you choose to go a different way than we believe, we don't want to stop you by vi- force of violence or threat of loss of life or liberty or freedom. The thing is, there is, a, a, again, a spiritual principle that underlies all of this, and even back to the foundation of America and its high ideals, was that it was spiritual freedom. And we've lost sight of that so much that I've said that people in the Christian, Jewish, and Muslim faith will often worship at the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism the other six days of the week, not realizing it. And they've, put, they've turned their bodies over to a bunch of people that are trained to do some things, but not everything. Yeah, not most things, and not certainly yeah. not within the within the physiological parameters of the way that the design of the system was was ultimately designed. Yeah. You know, it's interesting what you just said too, where where the religious aspects of this. When you start looking at the religious aspects, or what religion teaches us, or what at least the monotheistic religions teach us, there's a commonality there as well. You know, where the concept of treating your body 
as a temple, and that, which is universal yes. in all the monotheistic actually not just monotheistic religions, in all in all the Buddhism, Confucian, they're basically in all Hinduism, they're they basically all believe in the same thing. You know, to to take care of yourself, to to invest the time and effort that's necessary to keep your body clean and healthy. And so, one of the things that I was talking to a friend of mine about just recently, it was an interesting conversation, and she understands all the aspects that we're talking about. Her father's a naturopath. Uh, she was raised in a house, understanding many of these principles that we talk about. And so her mom and her dad had gotten divorced years ago, and her mom is now being told by her primary care doctor that she needs to get the um, the um, the um, you know herpes um, vaccine. The um, oh, the one the one they're talking doctor. for shingles. Yeah, the sing- the shingles, shingle right. shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're right. telling her she needs so herpes that. zoster. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, so that's one of the her herpes zoster is that there's a medical term for it. But anyway, this is what they're pushing, pushing, pushing. And so she knows about all this stuff, and she says to me, going through the the exercise, you know, um, my mom is being pushed to do this. I know she shouldn't do this, and I'm trying to encourage her and this and that and blah blah blah. And I said, that's good. I'm, you know, good that you know that. Just kind of like as a, I'm I'm doing something else and talking mm-hmm. uh, on the phone. And she, she says, but what if she gets the shingles? And what if this happens? What if that happens? And so I said, well, then let her get the shot. But that's not what is the right thing, blah, blah, blah. So it's going back and forth. And I think I said four sentences in 15 <laughs> minutes. And they were like, okay, well, go ahead and have her do it. Then, okay, don't do it. And finally, I said, you know, you sound like you're a freaking crazy person right now. This is, you know the truth. And you're sitting there arguing yourself. So this is what we tend to as humans do. Mm-hmm. But if we understand and we empower ourselves by knowledge, then that noise, because that's what it is, noise, right? It's all this drama and all this confusion that's created out of self-doubt and because of this marketing message and that um, you know, propaganda message. If we get rid of this noise and understand that our ability to, to resonate with the truth is in, innate within all of us, and then just do what you know is right, what feels right. And it may be, for you, maybe different than for your neighbor and for the next person or for me. We may all resonate with different truths, but the key is we're resonating with our truth and we move forward with it. And as soon as you start having a governmental body or, or people that are trying to come up with truth for different people, you know, we, we're taking this away even from the natural versus the pharmaceutical or, or you know, chemo versus, forget about all that for a second. It's just your own truth. Hmm. And, and that the power to heal is yours. When we say that, think about that for a second, because there are many ways of skinning a cat. There are many ways of healing a person. I know people that have come to my clinic um, and that have uh, had unbelievable changes. And, and, you know, you've seen that in videos, Robert. You've met yes. these people. But I also know people that have never gone to a doctor and still recovered, and they call it a spontaneous healing. And I know people that have gone through conventional rounds and then come to us afterwards, you know, five years later, ten years later, but they've lived. So obviously did something for them, and, and then they detoxed. And I know other people that have never done anything and just went through the chemo route, and that's it, and they lived. So you see this multiple truths for all these people. Now, I would put ours, if, if this was a betting game and the odds <laughs> you're looking for, I would put yeah. ours way ahead. But the point is, there may be different truths for different people. And we have to recognize, again, that it's our own innate resonance with the truth that we must rely upon. And mm-hmm. the model that is out there right now with other people orchestrating the decisions is not a sustainable model. It will not. It, it, you may think that it's going to help some improvement. I think mm-hmm. it's completely, completely misguided if they really think that it's going to be the right answer for anybody. It's not. You've got to invest in those ideas of, of uh, self-resilience, taking active 
uh, action to make something. Intention plus action equals results. So you make the decision you're going to be healthy. You, you do the things that are necessary. You start exercise. You start eating clean. You start, you know, growing a garden like we've talked about. Or whatever the case is, you find a farm. If you can't grow a garden, find a farm that has a garden. Or if you can't do that, then get hydroponics on your high-rise in New York. Wherever it is, there's a way to do it. And, and now live your truth and allow your own resonance to guide you in what that truth is. Beautifully said. What is that power to heal we speak about? It is the power to choose your healing path. If not that power of choice, then what is that power and how do you access it? By force? By somebody else's, you know, putting a gun to your head? No, that's not it. Here, it's the freedom to choose. And we got to choose advanced medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar. we got a lot more healing to go. we got a follow-up question from a listener, Kathy, we're going to get to about a tumor, a cancer tumor on the bladder. Stand by for that and a whole lot more after the break. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell. Robert Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, two hours a day, six days a week. Only one of them when we get to hang out with Dr. Rasha Bittar, do advanced medicine. Check out the archives there, medicalrewind.com. Hundreds of hours of Dr. Bittar and I getting together doing this kind of discussion. Awesome stuff. Hundreds and hundreds of hours available to you, medicalrewind.com, in addition to all the other places that archive it, including our syndicated home at GCN. And go to robertscottbell.com. You'll link up to drbittar.com. Now, Dr. Bittar, I want to hit this question. It's a follow-up question from a listener. I think a week ago or two weeks ago, Kathy had asked something about her sister with a cancer tumor. And, you know, I think they were trying to debate, what, you know, she wants to know which way she should go. Obviously, we couldn't tell her which way to go, but we give information. You, may, you take these options. So she says, I wrote to you about three weeks ago about her and the cancer tumor in her bladder. Uh, trying to get uh, her to see you, Dr. Batar, but now uh, she's learning that, that her sister's already made plans to go to see a holistic solution doctor in Naples. They're not mentioning who, I don't know, that they say will shrink the tumor. And now her sister, who's Kathy, asking us, should I talk her out of this so she'll go, go see Dr. Batar first for detoxing, or can he shrink the tumor? Thank you. And, and Kathy Here's, here's the thing I want to set it up before Dr. Batar comments on this. The idea of shrinking the tumor is kind of a misdirection. Unless that tumor is threatening the function of a vital organ, then it can be a warranted thing. And Dr. Batar, you can back me up or disagree on that, to go in and remove it or somehow deal with it. But the idea is what you were intimating at by going to see someone like Dr. Batar who will detox the body rather than our goal is to shrink the tumor because that's a side benefit of when you detox the body and replenish and all the other things. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Doc. Well, Robert, I, I completely agree with you um, because everything you said that, that shrinking the tumor is really not what the goal is. The you know, first thing we have to think about is the tumor could be a response to the uh, cancer where the body is trying to wall off the cancer from spreading, and so it forms that tumor. That's a possibility. We don't know. Um, anybody who says, oh, no, that's not what it is, they just they simply don't know. Um, the tumor could be uh, a response, uh, an immune response. Um, it could be actually uh, part of the cancer trying to protect itself, which we, we doubt because then it would be 
contradictory to the, metast- the metastatic component of high cancers. There's a matrix metalloproteinase inhibitor that we utilize in trying to prevent that um, secretion of what the cancers secrete in order to eat away through the tissue and continue spreading. That's the process of metastasis. So I'm not going to go into technical things, which I seem to have already done, and I didn't want to go down that road. But, <laughs> yeah. but what you just said, Robert, is exactly right. And detoxing should be the first step in everything. Um, our goal is not to shrink the tumors. In fact, when you effectively treat the cancer, as we've talked about before on the show, if you take a hammer, you hit somebody's knee, what happens? The knee swells. Well, the reason it swells is because you just hit it. And if you effectively hit the cancer, you would expect the cancer to actually swell. And that's exactly what happens. And, and I always know when, Robert, you probably have also picked up on this, mm-hmm. that when you're talking to a doctor about their treatment, if they, if they treat cancer, um, there's only been a very, very, less than probably five on a hand, in, in my hand I can count, that have actually made the same, uh, con- they, they comment on this. And when you comment, you know that doctor knows what he's talking about because he's actually experienced dealing with this. He's not just uh, giving a lip service. When somebody talks about shrinking the tumors, in my mind, it's, you know, I'm not going to, I don't know who the doctor is, and I don't want to say anything negative about another doctor that I don't know, but I will say this, that the goal, if the goal is shrinking tumors, then go get chemo. Because right. they'll shrink tumors, yeah, you know, but that's not the goal. Um, except for like when you said, Robert, uh, doing an uh, extreme emergency where there's mass effect. Mass effect meaning that the mass of the tumor is impeding on something, on a vital vessel or on a nerve, uh, on the spine, and it can. In, in that case, then you don't want to use radiation and chemo, which sometimes they do. You really want to use surgery as first line of defense, and that's where they go in the debulk it. But Shrinkage of tumor is a false sense of security. There was a um, retrospective uh, analysis that was done. Actually, Ty had put it out a long time ago. I think it was 310 studies where they looked at and put all the data together, and they found that in all the cancers, when you looked at before and after from the conventional therapies and all the different conventional therapies that were utilized, all the different forms of chemo and radiation combinations and experiment, all this stuff, because they all basically derive from the same um, original drugs. When you look at all this, there was a, in, in a two-year period, there was a, there was a 2% reduction of tumor within the first two years, um, and that was it. Uh, and in, in many of those cases, the tumors actually came back and came back bigger. So really, tumor shrinking should not be the goal, and we need to be aware that that is misguided. We're misguiding ourselves. It's false right. security if that's our goal. Well, and our buddy Ty has presented on the fact that uh, doctors in analysis after their patients had died of the, of the treatment, maybe not even the cancer, the treatment, but they were pleased because they could say, look, the, the, the tumor has shrunk. But, of course, the patient yeah. was no longer alive. So, again, perspective on healing, a bit broader than just shrinking a tumor here. Coming right back. Who'd you say that masked man was? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, you want to see Dr. Bittar live and in person? He's going to be with us at the Truth About Cancer Live 2017 in Orlando, October 5th, 6th, and 7th. Get your tickets. It's going to be awesome. And looking forward to seeing Dr. Bittar, my friend, in person once again. We're here each week together doing advanced medicine. And we've got some advanced medicine updates, takes on the news, the news cycle. One of them is vaccine-related. There's an interesting article here, Dr. Bittar, about aluminum in vaccines. 
Now, as much as we focal point on the, the, you know, the real danger of mercury, we're not going to say, hey, oh, yeah, aluminum is just perfectly fine, right? There are no neurological impacts, de deleterious impacts uh, with aluminum, and they're in vaccines. They say, oh, there's no mercury in vaccines. That's a lie. Okay, that's, st that's still a lie. But they're ramping up the aluminum as an adjuvant to aggravate the immune system to stimulate, they hope, antibodies. And they say in this article, the safe limit, according to the government, researchers and scientists and experts, that a two-month-old infant shouldn't exceed 25 micrograms. I, the lowest I see on this list is one with uh, 125 micrograms. And there are some that go as high for infants, DTAP, 625 micrograms of aluminum. And, and this is what Democrats are clamoring for more of? Look at the... Look at the pediatrics, uh, DTAP plus polypus hepatitis, 850 micrograms. Holy tamale, dude. This is, I mean, this is where you go, politicians, really? You think you know what's good for us to mandate this stuff, to say this is health care? You know, I think, Robert, this is where we talked about difference between good and bad. There's knowledge and lack of knowledge or ignorance and, and, and knowledge, and then you can go to the next level between good and bad. Hmm. Um, and then there's this darkness that we talk about. The, this, this is evil and, and, and goodness. I mean, we're talking about good and bad is one thing or, or profit. You know, something, this could be good because it's, it's motivated by helping people. It's bad because it's motivated by profit. But then you go into a more sinister area, more darker, which is, which is you know, population control or or is that could that be it and we, we've talked about some of these things off the air mostly but when you start looking at something like this and you start seeing a group like in california that are pushing for this agenda they've either one sold their souls to the devil because even a child as i've demonstrated when my youngest son was uh, only eight years old seven years old remember when he was talking about all the people that are why they're vaccinating kids and i mean I, he wanted to he wanted to go um you know, postal on these people, and he's eight <laughs> years old at the time. So right. it's not a difficult concept to understand, although he is much brighter than the average eight-year-old. He's 12 now, and, that, you know, he's much more brighter than the average 12-year-old, as, as all of our children are. But, of course, they weren't vaccinated, so that probably helps. Um, but having said that, this is, we're talking about dumbing down our population. We're talking about causing more problems later on in life, cancer, heart disease, all those different things. So what is the reason for this? I mean, could it be population control? I certainly think that it could be. But the people that are pushing this agenda, they've either sold their souls to the devil or they have been somehow coerced, probably financially, by those that have a darker agenda to push this because there's no excuse for uh, not just one or two, but an entire group of people to be pushing this agenda. Because this agenda does not serve humanity. It does not serve people in their own community. It doesn't serve their own children, because they've got to have their own children. They've got to have you know, children that have children. So there's something that has gone really terribly wrong. And when people, it's, it's almost like when people look, about, look at, um, if God forbid there was something that was going to happen on the planet, like mercury being infiltrated everywhere and you know, from combustion of fossil fuels to amalgams to all the different things, injections and vaccines, et cetera, et cetera. You have to start thinking the people that are saying the pros, you know, that, oh, we need to do this, the pro-mercury um, group, aren't they realizing that they're also being affected and their own families are being affected? You would think at some level they, they would, but, uh, you know, th that sort of goes to the example on a smaller scale, and I've told this story on the air with you as well, 
that there were times where we would hear from my, my mentor at homeopathy and I would get a call from an oncologist because they or their spouse, for instance, had been diagnosed with cancer. And I'm thinking, you're calling homeopaths up for help. Why are you doing that? Well, because we, we don't want to do the chemo. But you give chemo to your patients. Yeah, I know, but we, we don't want to do that for us. And I'm like, right. oh, oh, my well, that, God. That's, I mean, a very com- that's a very, very common thing, though. I mean, I've had literally dozens and dozens and dozens of cases over the last two decades where that's happened. And then we talked about, you know, a husband and wife that came to me and uh, their, their son happened to be a physician who had referred them to me. And I uh, asked them, you know, who the son is so I can send them just like we do with most patients that are referred to us by a healthcare provider, you know, uh, basically a summary and, and a thank you for the referral type. But they didn't want, they kind of were embarrassed and looked at each other and they said, well, our son doesn't want you to know who, who we are. Of course, you know, with the last name, it's pretty easy to tell who the person was. But the point being that this happens all the time, and one out of five patients in our clinic are healthcare providers themselves. So we see this happening all the time. But this is this is you're talking about an individual, an individual doctor. I'm talking about a conglomeration. Right. I'm talking about the the higher echelon. This is this is something darker because you know the the doctors are peons. You know we, we're just peons along the road. The, all the healthcare providers are just little. They're they're little peons doing what they've been told to do, and the way they control us by the medical board, the FDA, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I'm talking about those that control the FDA and above, mm-hmm. those that are actually pulling the strings. Right. It's affecting their kids, too. Or, sure. You know, kind of like if, the queen if, of... If you scale it up, Dr. Batar, right, you look at a doctor that does that, okay, that's one level. You know, you kind of climb it up the charts until the highest levels of, of government or the, you know, the, the shadow governments or however you want to talk about it, and realize that at any level, humans are capable of doing some pretty stupid and some pretty evil things to one another. Yep. And I think that they prey on our naivete or our good hearts because we know we wouldn't do that. So we can't assume that others would if we wouldn't, and that's the mistake we make. And they prey on that. They count on that. And that's how they get away with this evil at that level. And, of course, on the state level of California, it's it's dunderheaded Democrats primarily, but they could have been Republicans. We'd say the same thing about them. At this point, that can also be stepped up and be called evil because the outcome is such a disaster for the children of California. Yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. And when you start looking at some of these um, people in very, very high positions, um, I will tell you that I, I, I don't have personal knowledge, and I didn't validate this myself, but during a conference, um, in talking with a doctor, um, they were talking about George Burns and some of these people that lived very old and had bad habits, um, and the counterpoint was made by people that have good habits that live to a very long age. And one of the doctors who was from the United Kingdom, uh, apparently, and again, I, I, didn't, I can't validate this, but apparently... This doctor has been treating the Queen of England for the last 20 years. She comes in and gets chelation on a regular basis. Now, of course, mainstream um, healthcare in the UK, I'm sure they don't talk about that and they probably don't know that, but there are many, many well-known people that have resources that quietly do certain things that we talk about on a daily basis very openly. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember The Tonight Show, David Letterman had... Um, the guy that played uh, Forrest Gump. Um, oh, Tom Hanks. Name, yeah. The actor. Tom Hanks. They had him, it was, you know, there was like a live show there, and his mouth was swollen up, and he was having a hard time talking. And 
uh, David Letterman made some kind of a joke or some some kind of fun. I think it was David Letterman. It might have been um, Jay Leno. I can't remember which show he was on. But anyway, they made a fun of his mouth. I think it was Letterman. Made fun of his mouth because it was all swollen and, you know, something like getting punched in the face. And Tom Hanks says, oh, no, actually, I just had this dental procedure done. I had uh, my mercury removed, and boom. I mean, he just said, I had my mercury removed, and boom. It's a made commercial. Just, you know yeah. how normally there's that trail music comes on. Yep. The next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to have... Boom, just went into commercial. And edit when they, that out. When they came back from commercial, nothing. They didn't mention his mouth anymore. Right. There was no joke about the swelling of his mouth. There was no talk about mercury. It was like, you don't talk about mercury. And this was, God, what, 10, 15 years ago? Oh, at least. And, so, and that's why, you know, this is a, a, a hopefully for you all out there, and I think it is, we get a lot of feedback, a breath of fresh air, mercury-free for you where we have the freedom to speak about these things because we're not owned or controlled by governmental or pharmaceutical concerns. We're only concerned about your health and having that freedom to heal, you know, that power to heal, which is the freedom to choose which path you want to take. And uh, sometimes, though, we'll make fun of the docs that are a little slow to the party, and uh, that's when you'll hear some of this music. Yeah, well, I don't want to sound like a d- but I told you so. I told you so. Well, Dr. Bittar, we're right again. (laughs) It turns out that lowering cholesterol facilitates and precipitates and actually manifests neurological degradation diseases. According to the latest study, cholesterol-lowering drugs accelerate the onset of Parkinson's. We told them. Yep. Yep. So basically, this is something, not just Parkinson's, but many other issues that are, that concern the, the, uh, cell membrane integrity, and as soon as you start doing things that are going to reduce the cell membrane integrity or compromise the cell membrane integrity, which, of course, lipid-lowering drugs will because the most important constituent within the cell membrane is cholesterol. So you start screwing things up in that area, you're going to create all sorts of uh, problems with communication, cellular communication, and all sorts of other things, and neurological issues Mm -hmm. like not just like Parkinson's, but um, other things such as... Dementia, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's. And, yeah. Exactly. And, exactly. and Dr. Bittar, how many millions and millions and millions of taxpayer dollars, much less donated funds through these charity events and races, are being wasted, wasted on therapies and drug therapies and gene therapies, when if we would just be giving people adequate quality, good quality fats, including saturated fats, by the way, that would help the brain and nervous system to stay healthy, vital, and young. Uh, and instead, they give drugs to reduce it, and guess what? Manifest the very diseases that they say. Well, we're going to get get your money to research how to cure. Yeah, this is this is a perfect example of um, doing things that are counterproductive to health and healing. Yeah. And <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's just foolishness, you know. In fact, this other story that you that Don Don sent me about the doctors that want sugar causing foods out of hospitals—that's the same thing, and that's something that. You know, the medical boards. Um, they used to attack you for saying it. that, right? Don't sugar, yeah, yeah, no exactly. sugar at hospitals, and they're actually saying it now, and they're not being attacked. How weird is that? Yep, yep. Cancer-causing foods are referred to it as. So it's, it's really nice. And that's a Fox News. Uh, it's, not, it's not the small little uh, news outlet. That's Fox News that actually that story was covered in. Yeah, so they want the sugar and cancer-causing foods out of the hospitals. Now doctors are actually on board with this. That could be another I told you so, or even a moment of duh that, of course, those things cause cancer. But the reality is the docs are finally coming around. The question is, will those government and state boards of regulation 
allow them to say such heretical uh, things like, you know what, the quality of food does make a difference. And saturated fat does not cause heart disease. Oh my gosh, these are sacred cows being slaughtered along the way to your good health. <laughs> All right, we got to take a pause I here. Like We're going to be back to wrap it up with Dr. Vitar. Remember, medicalrewind.com, great place, along with robertscottbell.com. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Special alert to our Canadian neighbors up north. Alarming report reveals nearly half of all Canadians will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime. No one is talking about the weed killer in their food up there. Glyphosate, Monsanto's Roundup. By the way, your legislators in Canada voted against even labeling it, much less banning a cancer-causing compound that's in the food supply there in Canada. Uh, Dr. Bittar, again, it's not just the United States. They said it's all over the Western world where they've adopted uh, better living through pharmacological uh, injections and ingestions. Yeah, so this, um, Robert, I'm I'm sorry. You you go ahead and continue this thought process because um, I'm I'm just flabbergasted looking at this uh, study that we're going to cover about the human rights getting over. Oh, well, let's do that. Let's say the, mo- the only thing that might be as, as dangerous or perhaps even more dangerous than glyphosate are psychiatrists. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I mean, I know we, I know we talked about we we're going to cover that in about 30 seconds, you know, during the break. Yeah. But I'm looking at this thing with the site. It's, it's unbelievable. I mean, these things, these statistics, it's only two minute and 20 second video. Mm-hmm. But Super Don, you got to put this out there, man. I mean, it's saying, a psychiatrist uh, is three times more likely to sexually molest your child than a, a registered sex offender or, um, or what was the other one, stranger. I mean, wow. every one of these statistics, there are more people being arrested. The, the, the question is, um, who has the highest rate of uh, arrests, organized crime, human trafficking, or psychiatry? I mean, it's, it, this has just blown me away. I've never seen anything like this. I had no idea it's such a disturbing um, profession, but... This but you, you think back. about it, Dr. Batar, of all the medical doctors, these are people, especially if they're child psychiatrists, right? They're drugging kids, psychotropically drugging kids who have no evidence of a biological, uh, you know, imbalance that they can validate through any testing procedure that says they are short of something that they need a drug for. Right, exactly. Well, here is another question they pose. Who is most? Uh, who, who basically is more likely to hook a minor on a harmful drug? Drug dealers, gang members, psychiatrists. And the answer is for psychiatrists. Over twenty million, over twenty million children are prescribed addictive drugs every year. Twenty million children are given addictive drugs. So I mean, and this, it, all this um, video is is asking a question, giving you three possible answers, and the answer is psychiat- psychiatrists. Wow. But it's so disturbing, the number of people that are being, I mean, this thing with, uh, with women, m- m- most likely to be raped, you know, in a park, uh, by a gang, uh, in a psychiatric ward. Four out of ten women are raped in a psychiatric ward. 
deaths that are caused in the military, what causes the most deaths in the military? And the, the answers that they give you, the, the solutions are enemy fire, accidents, or suicide. Suicide. Induced by the very drugs that they're given to treat them. So there's an article 23, here. 23 soldiers. 23 soldiers uh, a, 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 a day. Every day, yeah. A, a, yeah. So this human, there's a human, right, human rights group, a United Nations health rights expert, uh, Dr. Puras. I don't know where he's from originally, but he's, uh, he's blowing the whistle on this thing at the U.N. level. I'm not a big fan of the United Nations, but if somebody says something right at that level, we're going to acknowledge it. And he's pointing out that the whole world needs a, a revolution in mental health care because this drug, everything that has an emotion, is not working. Right. I mean, when you start looking at those numbers, the 23 soldiers and veterans are killing themselves every day that are taking psychiatric drugs, that starts making you un- realize that this is, And one out of two people on, in the United States are going to, at some point, be treated with an antidepressant. And when you start looking, that's, again, falling into that psychiatric realm. And then you start looking at things like autism, right, and Asperger's and ADD and ADHD. These are all... DSM-4 diagnoses that are actually not classified as medical, but as um, psychiatric, psychiatric conditions. And, yeah, yeah. And, and, th- and they're not. They're, this, these are all um, toxicity issues. They're all secondarily uh, being affected because of these toxicities. They then get other metabolic dysfunctions. And how are we treating it? We're treating it as if it's a disorder of the psyche or, 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 or brain chemistry even though again there's no brain test chem- urine test saliva test hair test blood test there's no test that says oh my gosh you need you need some ritalin you need some prozac yeah, it's not there te- technically though it is a it is a chemical imbalance in the brain but it's resulting from the drugs because right I, you know, the first thing i tell people and the heavy metals you listen get- dr Matar, we're out of time you got to tell them what they need to know before we got to go that the power to heal is unequivocally yours. The Robert Scott Bell Show.